Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast, maybe, hopefully. Miss Congeniality, I'm still live from London, but I guess by the time I'm that you're listening to this, I'm now home, but I'm recording today live from London for this very special 25 for 25 episode where I'm going to give you guys 25 facts about me, and I tried to get creative and pick things that you didn't know or might not know. Probably not all of them. If you've been listening to this podcast for as long as it's been around, some of you might know some of these facts, but I tried to get creative with it. It's going to be a quick episode today. I'm sorry for the lack of updates, but when I return to America, I'm going to be recording a full episode all about my travels and updating you and giving all the recs. So rest assured, you can look forward to that. But I think that it is just apt for time, my time, your time, our time, that I just jump right into these 25 facts for 25. Again, sorry for the shortened episode this week, but we are just, you know, moving and grooving. It's Veronica's graduation day. Tomorrow's her birthday. So we've got a lot of priorities happening. So without further ado, here are 25 facts for 25 in no particular order. Okay, number one, when I was in eighth grade, My public high school started offering Chinese classes, so like Mandarin Chinese. Before that, they only had um, French and Spanish, like most public schools, I think, have. And they also offered a program where eighth graders from both of the public middle schools in the area could come during their lunch period. So they they set up the Chinese classes that they were during our middle school lunch periods so that we could come over. Our parents would pick us up, carpool, drive us, drop us at the high school, we would take Chinese, Mandarin Chinese, with the high schoolers. And the reason for this is that I think you needed four years of Chinese before they could start offering AP or something like this. So like the loophole so they could immediately start offering AP Chinese was to have us come over. There was like eight of us between the two middle schools. And my parents like made me do it. It was not something that I like initially like wanted to do, but then two of my friends did it. And the best part about it was we would leave like 20 minutes early from the class before lunch and we would arrive 20 minutes late. And that wasn't really necessary, like, but they they were flexible with it because like the school didn't know like how much time it took us or whatever. And it was kind of fun because we got to like go to the high school before we started high school. I will say um, Chinese is a really hard language to learn. I do have five years of it under my belt. I don't remember much. Like I can say like my name is Eli and like my favorite food is pizza, but I forget a lot of it. I also ended up not taking the AP test. I did take AP Chinese, but we could like option out of the AP test if we didn't feel like taking it. And I just knew I was going to fail because it was like we didn't we hadn't learned like how to read characters. It just like there wasn't enough time. It's like such a difficult language to learn. But some people that were in Chinese class with me actually ended up going on to like in college, study Chinese and got pretty good at it. And that's amazing. I mean, it's a very valuable language. So that happened. It was really difficult. Um, Not sure if I would recommend, but that's fact number one. At the same time, I also took Spanish. And so because of that, even though only one language was required, I took two. Because of that, I didn't have any electives for all of high school until senior year when we could drop science because you only had to take three years of science at my high school. And so I dropped science and then I took trauma, drama, but also trauma. Same thing. Okay. Number two, when my brother was like in eighth grade, so he was like 12 years old, he auditioned for The Voice. My brother's like a really, really talented singer. He doesn't really sing anymore, but he's like 
pretty much an alto. Like he can hit really high notes. And he was like such an impressive singer when we were growing up. So we auditioned for The Voice and he got through two rounds of auditions and he got like, they don't give you a golden ticket on The Voice. They give you a red ticket. If you get the red ticket, you get flown out to LA and you audition between before like all the producers. And that's the round right before like the chairs that are like on TV. Because with all of these shows, like all of these audition based shows, you have to do like 20 auditions before you actually get to like Hollywood or like the video American Idol one that's on TV or like the chairs on on The Voice. And he auditioned um, in LA in front of all the producers and they told him he was too young because he was like 12. But they were like, next year, we'll give you like a free pass to just skip ahead to this round of auditions. And then you can probably go right to the chairs. But you're like literally 12 years old. We're not putting you on TV right now. And then he just got bored and didn't go back. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me, Jake? This would have been my dream. I can, I can dig up the photo of him holding the red ticket. He looks like an infant. Like, he's so little. It's so funny. Like, it was such a wild thing. Like, I remember, like, tweeting. I remember I had just gotten Twitter. I was, like, a sophomore in high school. And I remember tweeting. Like, my brother's, like, literally going on The Voice. And then it didn't end up, like, fully manifesting. But I will find the ticket of the photo of him holding the red ticket if you guys want to see it. It's adorable. Okay. Number three. I know you guys know that I'm kind of like a, I'm like a retired runner. Like I used to be a really good runner. I used to, I ran a marathon um, and I used to run like 40 miles a week. And then I like fell out of it because of my health stuff. And I haven't really gotten back into it. But the reason I started running is that my parents had a rule that all of us had to do like an organized sport growing up. And I tried literally every sport, soccer, lacrosse, like field hockey, like you name it. I fucking was out there like doing my best and I sucked so bad at all of them had no eye-hand coordination that eventually I was like to my parents like I really don't think I can play sports like I know you guys have this rule that you want us to play one organized sport a year but like I don't even like I don't think this is for me and they were like okay that's fine um you can join the running club which wasn't really an organized sport but then I kind of liked it and then I just joined cross country when I got to high school and I was, like, pretty okay at cross-country, but I, like, did not give it my all because I didn't really care about it. So I was, like, probably the best runner on junior varsity or, like, one of the better runners on JV. And then one of one day we had a race, and I just, like, I don't even know why. Like, I just decided to win. Like, I was just feeling good, and I just, like, went out on the course and won the race. And then my coach came up to me and was, like, it's such a shame that you finally showed me your potential because now I'm making you run with the varsity girls as an alternate I was so upset. I was like, damn it, like never show your potential because <laughs> then they make you try. Um, and then I actually ended up quitting because I wanted to do like extracurricular community theater. But that's why I started running. And thanks, mom and dad, because I actually ended up loving it. OK, I don't know what number this is. One, two, three, four. Number four, I started talking really early for a child. And I think maybe this is why I like I like writing and reading so much and maybe why I'm so bad at math. I was just so focused on fucking talking and not shutting the fuck up. I said my first words when I was like six months old, but I was speaking full sentences when I was 10, 10 months old. And my grandma told my mom that wasn't normal and that they should bring me somewhere because she thought it was like weird, but my mom had never had a kid before. So she thought other kids who are 10 months old who weren't speaking full sentences were weird. Um, and then nobody ever taught me math and now I can't do division or multiplication. So look where that got me. But yeah, I was like a little freak child. Um, I think it checks out because now I love to talk. And I have a Leo Mercury. If you guys don't know, Mercury is the sign of like communication. And that makes sense. Um, you can look up your own birth chart and it'll explain to you like what signs are what and everything, all the good stuff. But then you could figure out what your Mercury is and it might make sense based on like how you communicate 
etc. Okay, number five, I used to be kind of a picky eater, like growing up. I just didn't like a lot of foods or I just was like afraid of a lot of foods and my brothers were like the opposite. So I feel like my dad specifically was always like so annoyed that I was like sort of a picky eater. But then one day, like when I got to college, I just decided to stop doing that. Like I wanted to like start liking hot sauce and olives and pickles and like tomatoes, like all sorts of things that like, I don't know, seemed normal or like seemed like they would taste good. But like for some reason, I just didn't like them. I think I was just like afraid of them. And then I started eating all those things and just like desensitized myself (laughs) to like spicy foods. I still can't do like super duper spicy, but I'm like, I like hot sauce now. I love those truff hot sauces. They're so freaking good if you're looking to get into hot sauce because I feel like they're more mild and they have like sort of like a more creamy, truffly flavor. Definitely go for that. Now I'm not a picky eater at all. The only food that I don't really like is melon of any kind. I just don't like watermelon, cantaloupe, honeydew. It really grosses me out. I try to like it and I tried to do the same thing with those and I couldn't get there. So it is what it is with that. Okay, guys, we're going to take a quick break to speak about one of our new sponsors. As you know, I just got my extensions out. Maybe you didn't know, but I did. And I've been really wanting to grow my hair, like my real hair, to the same length that my extensions were, but my hair doesn't grow that fast. So I've been using Hair Love. Hair Love's Growth Complex is a daily vitamin that brings together the power of beauty and science in a revolutionary product that rebuilds the foundations of each follicle for strong, thick, healthy hair. I also feel like my hair thinned out a bit. I think a lot of it like ripped out with the extensions and I really want my hair to get thicker. The exclusive formula is a powerful combination of the exact vitamins and minerals your body needs to stop excessive shedding, breakage, and thinning and help you grow strong, healthy, and beautiful hair. These are clinically proven ingredients and the growth complex nourishes your hair from the inside out with just two capsules a day. It works to reduce shedding, strengthen hair from the follicle to strand, promote new hair growth, increase moisture and shine. I've also been using the sheer, the serum and the brush. I've been loving both of these and they sent me these silk scrunchies and they're pink and they're absolutely amazing. They are committed to using highest quality ingredients manufactured in the USA in an FDA regulated facility. And if at any point in the next 12 months, you're not totally satisfied with your hair results, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. No questions asked. You guys can go to hairlove.com slash miss 15. That's hairlove.com slash m-i-s-s 15 love you okay here's one that some of you guys might know um because i talk about it a lot but i interned for a summer in st louis and the part that you might not know is that i was trying to get an internship the summer after my sophomore year doing theater stuff and like one of the more coveted internships was at the muni which is a regional theater summer stock in st louis in forest park And I was really lucky that a bunch of Michigan alumni had either worked there or Michigan people were working there at the time, which really helped my case when I applied. But they did this thing. So I applied and they randomly called me for an interview. So they do like random interview calls. I don't know if they still do this, but back in the day, I was just like lying in bed on spring break. I had been drinking, day drinking all day. I was like taking a little rest And I got a call from St. Louis. I answered it and they were like, hi, is now a good time to have a brief interview? And I said, yes, because I'm delusional. Did the interview drunk in bed, half nude with my best friend next to me on spring break. I was like, that went so poorly. I was also supposed to go to Italy, Italy to go abroad that summer. And so I kind of already had plans because like nothing internship wise was working out and it was already like March. And then they called me a week later and they were like, the job is yours. So I ended up canceling Italy. Um, lost the money I put down for a deposit which was all my money that I had made waitressing but it ended up being the best decision of my life I love the muni we did a bunch of musicals that summer and there was a bunch of like Broadway stars and then just like regular stars like Corbin Blue was there that summer in um 
Singing in the Rain, I think. Yeah, it's an amazing place. They do like, um, I don't know if it's like 10 shows in seven weeks or nine shows in seven weeks, but they do a bunch of musicals in the span of like seven to eight weeks. And it's the most amazing thing ever. So that was awesome. My next one is that the summer after that, I worked on Broadway in an internship and I actually worked for the producer of like six, the musical Mrs. Doubtfire up and coming, the notebook Motown. I'm trying to think of what else he produced. He produced a ton of things in the Heights. Um, Oh, and rent was his first one that he produced and he's really amazing and it was a crazy experience, but that experience was actually the experience that kind of like showed me that I didn't want to work in producing. I kind of thought that like I wasn't going to be able to just like graduate college with a theater degree and then figure out how to become a playwright or an author, which is what I really wanted. So I was like, oh, I should be practical and become a producer. But then that kind of keyed me into like what it actually looks like to be a producer. And I was like, never mind, this isn't for me and I'm not good at it. I'm definitely more of a creative person, not like an organized person who knows how to like delegate, which is like what you really need to be to be a good producer. So I ended up deciding I didn't want to do that anymore, which is why I pivoted to like, let me get a job in journalism where I try to figure out how to be a playwright or an author. But ultimately it was a really great summer and it was really fun. I got to go to a lot of readings of like a bunch of different musicals, including The Notebook, Mrs. Doubtfire, Devil Wears Prada. And I'm really excited that I get to like now see them as fully completed pieces because I got to see them sort of like from the get and from the jump. And that was really special. So that was really fun. Okay, number eight is that I used to be able to recite every single U.S. president chronologically in a row. Don't know why. It was definitely like me being weird. I like used to love history growing up and I was in AP U.S. history and like there was some like competition that we had or something. And then I decided to just like go a little too hard and like learn a bunch of facts and like memorize all these things and like stay up at night like memorizing all of this stuff. And I was actually like obsessed with JFK specifically because I thought he was hot. And that was really, that was really my personality in high school. Um, if you guys were curious, but I used to be able to do that and now I definitely can't. And it was a skill. I don't know if it was useful in any way, but it was definitely a skill. Okay. Number nine, the first time I visited the university of Michigan, I actually didn't like it. My dad had a friend that like went there or like their kid went there and like they would talk about it so highly and he like wanted to take me on a college visit there. And it was one of the only college visits I went on other than seeing NYU and then a couple schools I did like a summer program at or something. And he took me there, but it was like only formal college visit I went on with like tours and stuff. And it was during the summertime. It was so hot and I just like didn't like it. I was like, this is too big. I don't want a sports school. I kind of want to go to like a Vassar or a Wesleyan, something smaller and li- more liberal arts focused. And with like more of a like, I don't know, where like drama kids, where like theater kids like are the majority. That's like kind of what I thought I was looking for. And then I got, um, I like was originally applying for BFAs in acting and musical theater and I got past the pre-screen for Michigan for both. And then I also got an interview for the BTA program, which is what I ended up going for. And so my mom and I went in the winter time and I just liked it much better and being able to like see the theater kids and like go through the theater school and like do the audition even though I didn't get into those programs and do the interview and I did get into that program I don't know it just felt like it was much more right for me and ultimately even though it was like very out of my comfort zone to go to a school that was so social I think I really appreciated that because it definitely pushed me and so that's my Michigan story okay number nine I started working in my family's restaurants when I was like 14 15 years old Basically, if we wanted spending money, we had to like work in the restaurants and make it ourselves. So I started out as a hostess. My brothers started out washing dishes. And this was like the same thing my grandpa had my dad do because my dad um, 
his father had restaurants when he was growing up, like just small family run businesses, same as same as today, like a bunch of my uncles and cousins and brother and everything all work in the restaurants with my dad and his brother. So I've always been kind of like a big into the restaurant scene, but I also think I appreciate it a lot because I've seen, you know, the back end and what it's like to work in food service. And then I ended up working in the restaurants for 10 years. So like every time I was like home on a Christmas break or a summer break or whatever. And then over the the pandemic, when um, our restaurants completely shut down and pivoted to takeout only, but the takeout business, takeout and delivery, and we had never done delivery before. And the takeout and delivery business was so in high demand in our area. I started working pretty much every day. So I had a very different experience um, during the pandemic because obviously I was quarantined on a day-to-day basis and we didn't do anything other than go into the restaurants, but there was about between 10 and 20 people working in each restaurant and there's three of them and my family was split up between all three and we had to test every day on our way into the restaurant so we didn't like obviously spread the virus but we worked through the entire thing and I think that was like a very different experience than a lot of people had because I really had no choice like obviously I wanted to help my family and the businesses but also like they needed extra hands and so I worked the takeout window and delivery every single day for the entire pandemic. I actually made a lot of money that I ended up saving as well but ultimately that was that was what we did. Okay, guys, I literally just was ranting about the fact that it's so hard to sleep in bed with somebody when you have different sleep temperatures, especially when you just, the body heat is heating things up. But did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? I did not know this. So if you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend you check out Miracle Maid's bed sheets. They are inspired by NASA, and you guys know how I feel about space. I love it. And Miracle Maid uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. They have self-cooling properties for better quality sleep using these silver-infused fabrics inspired by NASA. These Miracle Maid sheets are thermoregulated and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long so you get better sleep. It's also designed for your skin, which I did not know. Like, stop sleeping on bacteria, guys. Bacteria can clog your pores and cause breakouts and acne, and you can sleep clean with Miracle. You guys can go to trymiracle.com slash miss. That's T-R-Y-M-I-R-A-C-L-E dot com slash M-I-S-S to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo M-I-S-S at checkout, you'll receive three free towels and save an extra 20%. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash M-I-S-S and use the code MISS to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring today's episode. When I was in eighth grade, I thought that I was going to be like a really good lacrosse player. This is like actually really funny. And this like coincides with my running thing. Like before I started to be like a runner in the eighth grade, I was like, that was like my final like try was like doing lacrosse and they had me like play goalie and I just said I would do it because no one else wanted to do it because you would get, like, pegged with the ball, like, and the ball is so hard. And, like, it, like, it comes with such force when, like, someone's, like, trying to, like, score. But obviously I was horrendous and my team lost every single game. And then my mom was like, I think it's time to, like, hang up the lacrosse, like, stick. Like, I think we should just, like, pivot and do something else. Um, but, yeah, that was that was definitely a phase of my life. Um, okay, these two kind of go hand in hand. But when I was like a teenager, I never had like a fuck my parents, I hate my parents phase. And I think it's because they were really like relaxed. Like they were strict about certain things, but I never like had a problem with the rules that they gave. And then I was allowed to just like do 
whatever I wanted. And I think because of that, I wanted to do less. Like I didn't have like a deep desire to like be rebellious because those things were like available to me. So I actually didn't drink at all in high school until like the very end of high school. I like dabbled here or there, but I think I was too anxious to like get drunk because also I have like a fear of vomit and I was like afraid of throwing up. And I was also afraid of like getting out of control or like passing out. I don't know. It all kind of stressed me out. So the first night that I was ever actually drunk was my first night at Michigan. Like day one, University of Michigan, freshman year, that was my first night getting actually drunk, which I think a lot of people don't expect from me, but I was just like a goody two shoes. Also, my parents are very wild. They were always throwing crazy parties when I was growing up and they still do. Um, but their friends are crazy. They're crazy in the best way. People love to come to my house because you're always going to have a good time and be fed really well. And you're going to drink really good wine and beverages of any kind. So I think like that environment though, bred somebody who was just like, I don't need, you know, to be a party animal in high school and stuff, because I don't feel like I'm like rebelling against my parents. Like they're kind of like giving me all this stuff already. And I ended up being like the designated driver for all my friends for the entirety of my senior year until the very, very end. Like my first night kind of like drinking was like New Year's Eve going into 2016. And then I kind of drank around like graduation of high school, but then I was never drunk before. Honestly, (laughs) kind of funny looking back on it. Okay. Let's see what else. That was three. That was the I didn't drink in high school. I never really like had a rebellious phase and my parents are crazy. That was all three packaged into one. Sorry about it. Okay. I would say I'm a morning person, which I think you guys probably could have gathered, but I've always really been like this. I think, again, might be product of my parents. Like my dad gets up at 530 every day. So I was always kind of like around that. And same with my brother, Jake, he gets up at like six in the morning every day. I would say Jack is really like the sleeper of the family, but I'm definitely a morning person. I just love to like go after the day and I don't really last much past one o'clock in the morning. Like that's pretty late for me. I would say like a good bedtime for me would be like 11 o'clock at night. And I feel like there's this like thing and correct me if I'm wrong and like correct me if you guys are different, but there's this kind of like thing that people, especially our age, they definitely go to bed super late. Like I remember in high school and even in college, people being like, oh, I stay up until three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I could not do that. I'm a sleepy girl. I'm like ready to go to bed at 11. And even when I go out and stuff, like anytime past midnight for me, it's just like I'm clocking out. I just feel like my social battery runs out. My mental battery runs out. I physically feel like I need to go to sleep. So that I'm definitely a morning person. Okay. So I was a bachelor of theater art major in college with a concentration in performing arts management and entrepreneurship. And my minor, I had a bunch of minors, but one of them was playwriting. And so for my like thesis senior year, it never got to be completed because we got sent home for the pandemic, but I wrote an original play and I still want to make it into a musical. But basically, I don't know if you guys know this, but the image of Rosie the Riveter, like that, like you know, propaganda photograph of the woman that's like Rosie the Riveter is based off of a real person. And there's like several women who have come out over the years since it like was, you know, the most popular image ever in like the 50s and 60s and whatever else. And there are several women who had come out and said it was them. And a vast majority of these women didn't know that they're like image was being used like because it was based on a photograph right and then an artist sketched the image and it like these women who said it was them they did not know that it was like going to be used um as them essentially and then the woman that they've decided like pretty much who it's based off of was a woman who was like 17 years old and was working in a factory 
and she was actually from Michigan. And I like was learning about all of this and I was like, there's literally a musical here called Rosie that's about the women that Rosie the Riveter image was based off of. And so I wrote an original play called Rosie. I think it's really strong. It's finished. And I, I, but I think it's a musical. I don't think that's a play. I, I wrote it as a play because that was a playwriting class and I didn't have like the capabilities of writing it into a full-fledged, full-scale musical. I also didn't have somebody that I was going to write the music with. Um, I needed like a composer and like a full team for that. And obviously it needs like mega rewrites, but I really do think that once I have like a spare minute and I'm feeling more like comfortable with the book out and seeing what's next and everything like that, I would love to like workshop it potentially and like maybe put it up as a staged reading. I think it needs a lot of feedback, but I love the idea and it's just roughly based off of the woman. It's like a, I couldn't get in contact with any of these people or their families. It was just like proved very difficult. So it's going to be based on a true story because it can't be, um, it's going to be like a fictionalized version of historical events because it can't be an actual true story because I can't get in contact with any of the family members to actually like speak to them about the true aspects of it. But I ended up fictionalizing it and I love it. I think it's great. And I've also written five other original plays during my time at Michigan. Okay, guys, we're going to talk about one more sponsor today. Element is an electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research revealing that optimal health occurs at sodium levels two to three times government recommendations. Each little stick pack delivers a meaningful dose of electrolytes free of artificial colors or any other dodgy ingredients. Element is formulated for anyone on a mission to restore their health through hydration, and it's perfectly suited for athletes and anybody who's kind of just like trying to get more hydrated. I feel like I don't drink a lot of water throughout the day and then all of a sudden at the end of the day, I'm so thirsty and I'm chugging water. That's just not good. I've been trying to drink more throughout the day and just be more hydrated. So this has been amazing. I also found out that Element is the exclusive hydration partner to Team USA Weightlifting and many Olympic athletes and around 30% of the NFL is drinking Element out of the orange and green bottles. I feel like if they're doing it, it's got to be a good thing. Members of my community can receive a free element sample pack with any order when they purchase through my custom URL. This sample pack includes one packet of every flavor. There's eight total. And this is the perfect offer for anybody who wants to find their favorite flavor or just try a bunch of different flavors. This offer is available exclusively through element partners, and you will not find this offer elsewhere. If you don't like it, you can give it away to a friend and they will give you your money back. No questions asked. You guys can go to drinklmnt.com slash miscongeniality. That's drinklmnt.com slash miscongeniality and try it today. Love you. Okay. I am big on like the manifesting thing and I know people have different thoughts about manifesting, but I do think I manifested my boyfriend, like not to be weird, but like I wrote down all the traits and aspects of the person I was looking for and like he pretty much fits the bill. I still have the piece of paper. If we ever break up, maybe I'll throw out the piece of paper, but I'm going to keep it forever. If not, um, I think it's just really sweet and funny and like the fact that he's like exactly the person that I wrote down in the piece of paper is, I don't know, cute to me. I think it's adorable. And so... I did that and there's a highlight on my Instagram called manifest if you want to figure out how to do it. I feel like it's just like very much so a low lift. It wasn't a hard thing and manifesting to me isn't so much about like manifesting as much as it is like mindset switching and law of attraction and that's really what I felt like I did with him. So that's that. I used to talk about that a lot more but the highlight is still up on my Instagram. Um, I think my sexual awakening was the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants book. I was reading the book in fifth grade in my bedroom and my grandma like saw me reading it and took it away from me and told my mom I should not be allowed to read that book. Then my mom gave it back to me because she's a G. I also don't think that she knew the content of the book because the books are much more sexual and probably like PG-13 
than the movies. And so for a fifth grader, probably not, but ultimately absolutely amazing, amazing book series. And it was my sexual awakening. And if you're interested in reading the books and you've never read them, I still feel like you would still like them. Even if you're in your twenties, like I might reread them now. Okay. My bagel order. I just thought this would be a fun one. I'm big into the salt bagels. If you guys aren't on the East coast, you might not have salt bagels and definitely like an aggressive thing to have, especially with cream cheese, but like they're so good toasted and so salty. I love salt. Highly recommend. When I'm not doing that, I like an everything bagel extra toasted with scallion cream cheese. I feel like a lot of the gluten-free bagel places are also coming out with like everything bagels, which formerly, formerly they only had like plain bagels, maybe sometimes a sesame. And then if I'm going for like a bagel sandwich, I'm going to go for egg whites, cheddar cheese, avocado on a plain bagel extra toasted. And if I'm going for like a lunchtime sandwich, I go for a plain bagel extra toasted with turkey, cheddar, and lettuce and mayo. So good. Highly recommend trying. I know it's not as interesting as Alex Earl's bagel order, which is like something I kind of want to try. It's pork roll and cream cheese, which sounds disgusting, but I feel like would actually be delicious. I don't know if you guys say pork roll or Taylor ham. For me personally, it's pork roll. Okay. Let's see. My least favorite thing about doing TikTok, I was going to share with you guys my least favorite and my most favorite thing about doing TikTok. I would say my least favorite thing is that like you can't say anything without people having like 1,000 things to say on it. And I guess a good example would be like yesterday I made like a little vlog of like my day in London and I pronounced everything in a super American way because I'm American. And I did that because I knew if I tried to pronounce it in the English way or like kind of with a British accent, people would be like, stop doing that. Like you're so cringe, you're not British. But then like, of course, because I pronounced it in an American way, there's all these comments saying I'm pronouncing things wrong and telling me to pronounce it in like a more British like tone. And I just think like, it's, it's so annoying. Like you're so damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Like if you post about, you know, like Black Lives Matter or like being or like abortion and like wanting to raise money for something, you're being performative. But if you don't post about it at all, you're a Republican who doesn't care. It's like you really can't win and you can't please everybody. And it just aggravates me because I don't think that the people commenting these things and trying to like tell you that you're wrong are like ill-intended or even meaning to like be annoying. It's just the most annoying thing ever. And it always will be. And it's definitely my least favorite part because it's kind of like, okay, well, if I did the opposite of what you're telling me to do, or if I did what you're telling me to do, other people would come in criticizing that. And it's kind of, I always wonder like, why don't people just leave people alone? This is so sort of like silly and maybe not something like political things, but more like how I pronounced something in a video. I don't know. I would just say like, it's annoying. Oh, and then people don't understand satire. It goes back to the Twitter humor thing. Like people don't understand Twitter humor on TikTok and that is something I hate about it. My most favorite thing about doing TikTok is just like creative agency, I think. And obviously like getting to meet and connect with you guys is like the most obvious one for me. But being able to have a place where I can just go when I have an idea and opening up dialogues with people and being able to be like, this is what I think. And then other people are like, this is what I think. That's like a really beautiful thing about the app. And then also I've learned so much from TikTok, whether it's like a simple beauty makeup trick or like something more, I don't know, scholarly or academic. I absolutely, absolutely love that. Okay. Some of my favorite musicals are Gypsy, My Fair Lady, West Side Story, and A Chorus Line. I think people would look at me and think she definitely doesn't like golden age musicals like My Fair Lady. I don't know why. They just hit me so differently. Anything from that era. And I really like when a female director or a director with a diverse background comes in and um, revives one of those shows. And it's a true revival that takes on sort of like a different life. And I don't know. I'm not a big, I'm not big into pop musical theater. It's never been something that I liked that much. 
And I think I just, like, have trouble with different pop musicals. And I think these days we're getting, like, less and less original musical theater. Like, everything is based on something, on a film or a jukebox or whatever else. And I'm not really huge into the jukeboxes. But that's another thing. You say you don't like jukebox musicals. And then you go to one and you're, like, love to this musical. People are like, I thought you didn't like jukebox musicals. And it's like, well, as a genre, they're not my favorite. But I can also like and Juliet, which I do. It's amazing. And both of the leads went to Michigan and one was in my grade and one was the year above me. And they're both incredible human beings and very talented. Um, so I would highly recommend seeing Anne Juliet if you're in New York in the near future. And I think this is last. I don't even know if this was 25. And if it wasn't, I'm so sorry if you're counting. I'm so sorry. But my next like dream destination and place that I really want to visit is Tokyo. I've never been to any Asian country. Uh, the farthest I've ever traveled is South Africa. And I think I've told you guys about that. I went in college with my like theater department as like a theater exchange program over our spring break my junior year but I've never been to any Asian country and I think the first one I would want to go to is Tokyo but I think if I went I would want to do like a bunch of different countries and not just Tokyo because you know you're already over there the flight to Africa was really long so I feel like I could do another long flight um I've been getting a lot better at flying so I used to be very deeply afraid of planes there's another fact for you but anyway Thank you guys so much for listening to 25 Facts for 25. I had an amazing birthday because you guys were just so kind and loving and wonderful to me with all of your lovely messages. I'm sorry again about the shortened episode this week, but rest assured I will be back next week full force with all of the amazing, beautiful, wonderful things and updates and all that good stuff. And I see all of your messages asking me to speak on the films that were released last week on the podcast. Unfortunately, it's just not apt for me to talk about any struck companies right now, which means any companies that SAG and WGA are striking against. And I just, I can't do it because if you do cross picket lines and talk about struck companies, you're barred from joining SAG and WGA. And I just don't know what the future will look like. And I want to stand with the unions and in solidarity with the strike. But I promise you, that when everything is all good and wrapped up and said and done, I will have so many thoughts. They might be delayed, but if you're still willing to hear them then, I will be willing to share them. So I love you guys very much. I hope you had a wonderful week and I will see you back home next week and it will be back to back to the basics and let me know what you guys are ready to hear. Love you. Bye.